Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bunkhouse. I'm your host, John. So today's episode is the first of session two. Uh, my, my guest that I have on today, I will warn that we do talk about some very personal things. Uh, there are some things that he shares with us that are painful to him. So please listen all the way through. I think, I think you're going to get a lot from this, and hopefully it'll help you get through some things that maybe you're going through. So, on to the show. All right, hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Bunkhouse. My guest today, super honored to have him on the show. Outstanding just person in general, man. Good dude. Brandon, go ahead, if you would, please introduce yourself. Let the listeners know who you are and where you came from. Hey, y'all. My name is Brandon Dillon. I was in the Marine Corps. 0311 from 2004 to 2012. Uh, I was in a few different units. I was with 2-4 in Iraq. I did some time in weapon, Weapons Field Training Battalion where I trained recruits on uh, combat marksmanship, recruits and Marines. And then I finished out my uh, deployment or my, my enlistment with 1-5 in Afghanistan. Before that, you know, I was just a punk kid running the streets. I grew up real poor, real dirty. Uh, and I, I started hitting that 18-year-old age, and I knew I was either going to get locked up, killed, or something. So the Marine Corps saved me, man. Ran to that Marine Corps and never looked back. And that's me, man. Got out in 2012. Transition was hard uh, to civilian life. It's still hard. Ten years later, it's still hard. Uh, I've bounced around from some jobs. I got out, worked the oil field for about two and a half years. Really good money. Really good work. Hard work. Kept me occupied. but kind of ruined my marriage me and my wife went estranged I've had some other jobs here and there and then I kind of got back on my feet working at a Bucky's anybody from Texas <laughs> oh, dude, we're, expanding, Bucky, we're expanding out of Texas now too but I got a job at Bucky's man which honestly sometimes I struggle with because it's it's a gas station but it's a huge <laughs> gas station and uh, I'm the overnight supervisor for the deli and that's what I've been doing for the last five years going on five years that and then just writing poetry, doing poetry, publishing books, doing art shows. I mean, that's me. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I love Bucky's. Um, got yeah, one finally, lots of like, people love Bucky's. <laughs> finally got one like two hours away uh, in uh, South Carolina, dude. Like, awesome. I love it. Like, yeah, man. Yep. It was. It was. It's dude, best. <laughs> if you've never been to a Bucky's, you have to make the road trip to go because literally, you can get gas. Their bit, their brisket and egg, like breakfast wrap, like breakfast, like taco, phenomenal. Like they make their own, yeah, their own stuff there in in the gas station. You can get a lawn chair, a fire pit, and a cooler and some clothes all at the same time, dude. Like phenomenal place. Bucky's <laughs> hey, is ridiculous. And don't worry, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm getting. I'm not getting a cut from Bucky's to, uh, to <laughs> say this. So I'm. I'm saying that it's it's an awesome place. They like writing poetry, man. Like. I, I completely can relate to that. And um, that's kind of how me and you met, you know, um, I started journaling myself and writing down how I felt at the time. Then I started writing down some stuff about my career, like 
how I felt during their different stages in their career, kind of writing it down, like almost like a story, you know, telling my story to myself um, and then write about how I felt during those times. Started writing about before I joined the Marine Corps and then it eventually like turned into writing poetry. Like all of a sudden I started thinking about like these, these passages, like just things that were hitting me in my head. And like, I just had to write it down. And next thing I know, like within an hour, I have a poem, like a, two, like a page of poem wrote, you know what I mean? Yes, man. It, it was crazy, dude. And, and honestly, it, I will say journaling and writing poetry has, has helped me with my anxiety and stuff. Like so much is crazy um, how much it has. And then started sharing them on TikTok. And that's how me and you got um, together. Is, yeah, is, man. Is I saw your stuff on TikTok. We linked up. Dude, we've, we've been friends ever since, man. Well, and that's the thing, too. I tell people so much, even even if you like, because people are like, oh, well, I can't write. Or I, I said, it don't matter. I said, don't, don't you don't even have to share it with anybody. Nope. For years, I wrote and I didn't share it. With, I didn't I didn't want to share with anybody. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I started therapy. Because I was one of those tough guys. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, PTSD ain't real. I'm not, you know, I'm not a punk. Yeah. That, that was all of us during that generation, dude. Uh, yeah, man. But once I started therapy, uh, I was I was super lucky. I got an awesome therapist. I gave her, you know, um, like a tribute or whatever you want to call it in my book, actually, in the front That's page. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, but she asked, you know, she asked if I journaled or I wrote or anything. I said, yeah, I write poetry, but I don't share it. Like, it's just for me. And she read some of it and she was like, no, you have to, like, you have yeah. to share this. And that's what I always tell people too. Even if you, even if you're not going to share it, just write it, write it for you. Cause it's going to help process your emotions, uh, help process how you feel. And sometimes you'll write something and be like, man, like I did not, I didn't know I felt that way about, right. you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I tell people all the time, just write, just write, even if it's just for you, just write. Uh, even if you can't write, you can't spell all of that. Like, it don't matter. Just don't write. Matter. Yep. Yeah. No, like I, I was kind of in the, the same, the same boat. Like I didn't really want to share with anybody because I didn't, one, I didn't think it was good enough to share with anybody. You know what I mean? So like, I didn't, my anxiety pushed me to that point where I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be let down because people don't like it or it's not good poetry. Right. And so I, I shared it with some of my coworkers before I retired. And they were like, dude, this is phenomenal. Like, you need to, like, put this on paper, like, for real and share it with people. And so I was trying to figure out how I wanted to do that. And that's when I started doing my TikToks and stuff. And that's that's what my that's what my whole page is, is like, focused around is sharing my poems and stuff. And I, I know you've had some great feedback, too, from some of some of your followers. I also have, too. Like, it's. it's when you get a comment on one of your one of your TikToks or poems that you that you post or, or publish out there, and they say that they can relate to it, and it helps them in some way, even if it's just one person, dude, like that makes it all worth it. The the great the greatest feeling, the oh, greatest dude. feeling in the world. Uh, yeah, because I'm not gonna lie, like I I struggle because. Facebook, I don't know, Facebook, and I don't really do Instagram too much. And TikTok has really taken over my social media presence. Same here. Uh, I'm trying to do it. One of my coworkers is trying to convince me to do Twitter, and I'm on there a little bit, but I just started the other day. Mm -hmm. But uh, have you have you tried Twitch? That's, you can do like live streams and stuff on. Lots Twitch. of people have been telling me to do Twitch, but man, I struggle doing live streams and stuff with like yeah. the kids and working overnight and stuff. Oh, bro, like, me, I understand like, with the kids and stuff. Like last night. I couldn't sleep. 
they changed my schedule. I'm usually not off on Monday nights, but they changed my schedule. So I was off last night. It was like one in the morning and I couldn't sleep. So I was like, I'm going to go live. And yeah. I went live. And honestly, I went live probably four or five times. And I always get discouraged because like the, the viewers goes up to like a thousand, then drops to 200, then drops yeah. to two people. Mm. And then so, there's been a couple of times where it's just me. And there's yeah. no one in there. I'm like, and, oh and you're my like, god! What am I, and you're like, what am I doing to not keep yes. these people engaged, right? Like, so but, like, like, I'm at the point last where night, I, yeah, last night was really encouraging though, because again, it dropped, it jumped up. It always jumps up in the beginning. It jumped up like two thousand people, and then dropped down. I think finally to about fifteen. But then by the time I was done reading, I had about a solid fifty to hundred people just watching me at two in the morning. Dude, that's awesome. But what I was gonna say though is. Those, those comments, or sometimes I'll get a message or I'll post a video and it'll get maybe a couple hundred views, you know, 10, 15 yeah. likes, but I'll get that one comment or that one message. And uh, man, it, it feels so good to hear people say that or hear, hey man, that poem really helped me or hey, what you said in that really helped me. I posted something just the other mm -hmm. day and this lady, I think, I think we're mutuals, I can't remember, but she's got She's older, I think. She's got long-term COVID, which I didn't know that was a thing. But she's been struggling. Uh, she's been struggling with it for about a year now. She's telling oh, me. Crazy. But she, um, and it wasn't even a poem I posted. It was something about uh, about how. Oh, I made a post the other day about like a lot because I've dealt with a lot of suicide and a lot of death in my life, and so I was posting about how I feel cursed, like I'm cursed to live. I deal yeah. a lot with su survivor's guilt, so. I was a post about that. And she was like, you know, uh, I, th I was thinking about ending it a couple of days ago and I saw one of your posts and it helped me push through. And now she goes, I was, I, my ha she had a whole plan and everything two days ago, she was going to end it. And now she's still here and That's she was awesome. scared. She doesn't know what to do. So I was telling her to reach out for help. You know, here's yeah. some, here's some hotline numbers, you know, reach out to your local uh, VA, reach out to your friends, your family. But it was just like that one person. That's yeah. all I needed that one day. Yeah, that's awesome, that was man. it. Yeah, that, that's the way I feel about it. And like, I don't look for reassurance. You know, I don't. I don't care if people like them or not. But like, if 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 I can reach one person, even if I post fifty videos and I only reach one person, it's worth it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because I'm getting ready to post a TikTok about a couple different uh, things. So I'm having like probably a couple different ones just because they can't be super long. So I'll probably have break it up into in, like separate ones. But back in November, right, uh, literally right before Thanksgiving, uh, a friend of mine took his own life. Um, veteran also, you know, so he became part of the 22. Yeah. So and probably about two months ago, three months ago, maybe now, um, I had somebody ask, can, can, can you write something about suicide? So I've been working on that one, making some tweaks here and there and probably going to be publishing that one here soon um, cool man um yeah I and think that's and what happened point, and it would be in the way i'm writing it is from the point of view of the veteran going through this oh man right that's... so not not like from outside looking in but from from first person view like as the veteran going through this oh that'll be that'll be good that'd be insightful too that'd be well, i was gonna say i think okay. That's what happened because we were supposed to do this initially several months back. Yeah. It's the same thing happened to me. Man, it's it seems like it's all the time. Yeah. At least three or four times a year, someone someone uh loses their battle. 
And I know yeah. that's what happened that first time before the interview. And I thought I was going to be good. But, man, that one. Uh, it still hits. Because, man, it's just some of the people, too, like, man, like you would never think it was that that guy. Not that guy. Like, no way. Yeah. Like, he, no, like, no, 100%. Because, like, I'm friends, I'm friends with him on Facebook and stuff. He doesn't live far, like, maybe 30, 45 minutes away. He's always smiling in his pictures and stuff. Like, he always looks happy. You know, but I guess at the end of the day, you really don't know what's going on inside, you know, and no, I, absolutely. And, think, and, it, and it goes back to like the comment that you made, you know, like you, you play the tough Marine, you know, and I like our generation Marine, because when did you come in the Marine Corps? You said, oh, 2004. Yeah. So I came in 2006. Right. So like we're the same generation of Marine. And yeah, regardless of MOS, like everybody deployed during that time, everybody was going to combat regardless of MOS. Right. Regardless of the unit they were with. And everybody, the combat mentality we had was you do not show your feelings whatsoever, right? And especially when you lose a buddy in combat, you don't have time to mourn. You don't have time oh, no. to let anything happen. I don't know if you watched football, but last night, one of the Buffalo Bills players got taken to the hospital. Like, he's still he's still in critical condition. And, like, it's bad. Like, it was – they thought he died on the field. Like they had to give him CPR and stuff on the field, but <clears throat> but seeing the players mourn and show their feelings and the commentators and stuff what they were talking about and everything like that, it made me think even more about how, <clears throat> at least as Marines, we were dehumanized completely for us to go to combat because they were like, I don't know how anybody could go back out there and play football. And literally, I said to myself in my head was, "Well, you just go do it because that's your job." yeah right because that's that's what we that's that's how we were brought up like that's how we were bred and and molded in the marine corps during that time like there was no other option and during that time it was like if you showed any kind of emotion or let your emotions get in the way like you were deemed weak you were oh yeah you were ostracized by the rest of your your platoon you were found to be worthless you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't do your job anymore if, if that's what you were doing. So everybody just bottled them up and never let them out. And if you wanted to get help, you were looked at badly that, that way too. Even if you yourself wanted to go get help, like you got ostracized and looked at differently because you wanted to get help. You know what I mean? So I will say though, just retiring back in May, last May, I will say the last two to three years in the, in my, in, in the Marine Corps, I definitely know that there's a cultural shift when it comes to mental health. They are now telling or asking Marines like, Hey, look, if you got any little problem, no matter what it is, go seek help. It's important. Mental health is just as important as physical health. And I, and I'm glad they're doing that because I think it's super important. And I don't, I don't think there's any facts to it, but I believe the, the way that we were brought up in the Marine Corps is the reason that there's so many veteran suicides because they were told that they can't be weak and showing emotions is weak, especially as men, right? Not, like females, same thing, right? They had to bottle their emotions up too, but even like as men from the day that we're old enough to walk, we're told that we are men and that we don't show emotions. We are not weak. We're strong, right? Like that's bred into us from the time that we can walk. And then the Marine Corps just adds on to that. Right. And absolutely. And I really do think that's a lot of the reasons that we have the veteran suicide numbers that we do is because of that, because a lot of them came from our generation. 
Oh no, definitely. And and some of them are the uh like the manliest dudes. Oh like, yeah, man. The I mean just the biggest, toughest sons of bitches you ever seen in your life. And man. And then and I look back on I look back on my time, especially in my early years. Well, honestly, my whole enlistment, it wasn't until after I got back from Afghanistan that I kind of softened up a bit. But I was, man, and I'm I was the meanest i was mean oh, i was mean i always tried i cared about my marines and i always tried to give them the best but mental health wise i did not give a fuck like i did not yeah. like suck it up keep moving i don't care yeah. if it's not broken keep moving keep yeah no absolutely um oh, 2006 2006 i actually got NJP'd, a lost battalion level NJP'd, a lost rank. I got 45 days of uh, of uh, restriction and pay cut for uh, hazing and assault. And the hazing is so, the definition is so broad and stuff. Like what happened to me when I first got in the Marine Corps and compared to what I was doing to that kid, completely different. He did some push-ups. But what sticks with me is he was going through some stuff at home and I feel bad even to this day because after I got in trouble, like I kind of cut him off as a, he wasn't, he switched squads, he switched platoons and stuff. So I kind of cut him off and we lost touch. Yeah. And I looked him up years later and he looks like he's doing good. He got out. He's a cop in California and stuff. He looks like he has a good life. So I left it alone, but, uh, you know, I was making him do some pushups. I can't remember what he did. He called a Sergeant, a corporal or something, you know, Hey, go do some pushups. And he kind of gave some pushback and some argument. So, you know, I was making him do push-ups and he was crying and and he was trying to tell me about his girlfriend. And like, I don't care about your girlfriend, bro. Like we're here, we're here to learn how to fight. We're here to learn how to kill. Yeah. Um, and he and we were on the second or third story floor, man, of the barracks. And he goes, I'm gonna kill myself. And I opened the door and I said, Jump, man. Luckily, he didn't jump. Luckily, he didn't jump. But man, I, I struggle with that. I think about that a lot because. Man, ah, that's just, it's just terrible that that happened. It's terrible that, I mean, and we were all like, that's just, that was our mentality back then. Like if you're oh, yeah. weak, if you're weak, go die somewhere. Cause you're not, you know, you're no good. Right. You're no right. good. I don't care about your girlfriend. I don't care about your mom. I don't care that your dog just died. I don't care about none of that. We got to get ready to go kill the enemy. And that's it. I need you physically strong and all that other bullshit that you're dealing with in your heart and your mind, lock that up somewhere and, and, and deal with it. And I struggle with that too. Um, like I had that mentality too, because like I said earlier, growing up, like I grew up dirt poor. My mom was a, she was a junkie for most of my life. Matter of fact, when I joined the Marine Corps, when I left for the Marine Corps, I had been on my own for my whole senior year of high school. She moved I lived in Indiana. She moved all the way to Kentucky. And I told her, I just couch surfed. I was pretty much homeless and just couch surfed with friends. Yeah. But I told her, I'm leaving for the Marine Corps. And if you don't get clean, you're never going to see me again. But my first enlistment, I was dealing with that. Like, my mom's a junkie. She's living on the street. She's back in the rehab facility. She's clean. She's relapsing. I had high school friends that were getting killed, getting locked up. Uh living on the streets. So I was like, if I can deal with all of this, if I can deal with all of this, 
whatever yeah. problems y'all got, you could deal with too, which, you know, I was a dumb kid and looking back, that's a terrible outlook. Yeah. No, terrible outlook. I mean, I, we, we, did all, not, we, we all had that mentality during that time. Yeah. And we right? did not, we didn't focus yeah. enough on mental health, like always mm-hmm. physical health, physical fitness and all that. But yeah. and absolutely, there, so I'm glad to hear. Yeah. And there was never any real reset training coming back from deployments. Oh my God. You know, like, <laughs> like there wasn't like, yeah, we got like 30 days of like, post-combat leave or post-deployment leave and stuff like that but the thing is like there was no actual true reset for us because like and, you know like especially being a grunt like i was an infantry battalion for almost four years i was in one eight and it's work up deploy work up deploy, yes. and that's that's it like yeah you might get 30 days when you get home but guess what after that 30 days is up you're back in the field again getting ready for the next deployment and most of those 30 days most of us are just out drinking yeah we go, we go home, we visit family, we're getting drunk. Uh, maybe try, you try fall to, back in with your friends from back home or something, but and you're not doing anything but, positive. Yeah, yeah and, you, and you try to tell stories with them, talk with them, but, like, they don't understand. They look at you like you're crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, So it, you feel even more ostracized because of that, and it just it, – yeah, so, no. But, no, they are definitely getting a lot better. It's, 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 I think it's done a complete 180 on how they're approaching mental health and, and making it a priority now. So I, 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 and I think that's super important. I don't know about the other services, but I think that is extremely important because if you have, you, if some, if your leadership has your back and you, when you have a mental issue going on, whether it be anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever the case may be, and whatever's causing it, because it could be even not combat related, right? Like just because you haven't been a combat or whatever, doesn't mean you don't have these problems, you know, because everybody reacts to, to, to things differently. So having leadership that has your back and is encouraging people to go seek help when they need it, I think that's extremely important. It's just, it's just mental health is just as important, if not equally important, or even more important than physical health. No, I totally agree. hundred percent. You could be the strongest guy or strongest girl out there and be the fastest runner out there. But mentally if your mind's not truly in it 100 percent, you're not going to be able to perform no you know absolutely no i was just telling a co-worker the other day actually because i work with a, a pretty diverse age group i got we the youngest is an 18 year old girl she just started and the oldest person i work with man i think she's about to hit 60 okay. and it's men and women and stuff yeah and there's this guy He's kind of a he's kind of an a-hole. He's a really good worker. He's funny, but he's like 21, 22. And he kind of reminds me. Uh, I don't want to give him too much props and say he reminds me of a Marine, but he kind of <laughs> reminds me of some of my buddies, you know, yeah. uh, when I was that age. And he was actually telling, you know, he's like, oh, mental health, blah, blah, blah. And but I told him, I said, I kind of uh, equated it to a car. You could have the prettiest car with the best wheels and you know the the shiniest body and everything's perfect but if that engine doesn't work that yeah. car's not going to move so it doesn't exactly. matter and it's the same thing you could be the strongest fastest toughest person but if your brain is fucked up you're not doing nothing exactly and 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 again you can look like you're happy on the outside and nobody will ever know so like i express that to to anybody i come in with and like that's a big thing that 
I, I tried to stress before I got out with any, any of the Marines that I interacted with, like, look, man, if there you got any little thing going on, go get some help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I was like, I, I finally asked for help and then started going to counseling and stuff at the Naval Hospital. And it was the best decision I ever made. I wish I'd have done it sooner, honestly. Honestly, that's that's what got me into start journaling was when I, when I started going to counseling. So uh, I, I think it's extremely important. And if anybody's out there listening and you feel a certain way or you don't know what to do, dude, reach out. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put some information in the show notes, some um, hotline numbers and stuff like that, too. You're not alone. I just want to let everybody know you're not alone. You got people around you, I promise. Most definitely. Most definitely. Man, the other thing, too, especially when I was in and stuff, along with the mental, we didn't, man, if you got hurt physically, like, they tossed the word the word malingerer around a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. And we did not go to medical at all, unless it yeah. was serious. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. heck. You didn't want to be a I BAS probably had, Huh? You didn't want to be deemed a BAS bandit. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you didn't uh, want I mean, to be I that guy. Be, I've had some concussions and stuff too that I just, I, I never even reported them or anything because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want that. I didn't want to deal with, you know, Oh, I didn't want to be taken out of the fight. I didn't yep. want this. I didn't want that. You know, I hurt my back, my knees. I never went to medical for nothing. The only thing I went to medical for, I cut my hand and I got my wisdom teeth pulled. Other than that, if it wasn't for like routine shots or, routine dental work i never went to medical because i wasn't i didn't want to be that person yeah but it messes you up at the end because then you get out of the marine corps and you're trying to get your rating you're <clears> trying to get your va i don't have no i have no paper trail yep. no paper trail so anybody listening if you're in the military i'm not telling you to to game the system i'm not telling you, but if you're hurt physically yeah. go to go to medical if you're hurt mentally go to medical go and document you need to document everything Yep. You need to have a paper trail on everything because if you don't have a paper trail, you're going to get out and get stuck with a 0% rating or, you know, a, a BS rating because you, you know, you wanted to play the tough guy yep. or the tough girl or whatever. But there's nothing wrong with going to medical. There's nothing wrong with getting your head checked out. There's nothing wrong with getting that paper trail. You need that paper trail. Oh, yeah. I wish that, somebody would have told me that. Yeah. Same, same here, man. Like, and I, and I have a feeling like that mentality, too, is what got me to my med board process, right? Honestly, it's the reason I had to early retire because of all the medical stuff. I was going unfit for continued service on a med board. And, and, and I have a feeling that that mentality is why my, what my med board happened, right? Because again, you just fight through the pain. So it's not going to last forever. At least in your mind, it's not going to last forever. It'll get better. So you just push through it. But <clears throat> like you said, like go to medical. Like I, I, that was like my last few years as an, like along with mental health, that's one thing I stress to the Marines too. Is like, look, if you're hurt, like there's a difference between being hurt and injured, right? Injuries, cool, they'll they'll heal pretty quickly, and you could you could do some self help on those things. But if you're legitimately hurt, go to medical. Yes, get get it looked at, even if it's not like super severe and or whatever. Get it put in your record, man. Like, go to medical, get it looked at. As like like you said, I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago. Instead of saying Oh, you're going to medical? Yeah, okay. I know. I know what you're trying to yeah. do. You're trying to get out of the hike next week, aren't you? Yeah, like you <laughs> yes. know what I mean. Like, no, bro. Yeah. Like, there's always some hike or some run or something. Right. To. I was trying it, to get out of this. You're trying to get it, out of that. But the thing no, is, like, bro, I'm hurt. Like, right. Like back then, they were almost all the time. Right. So we had stuff <laughs> like that all the time. 
but no, it's like, no, I'm not trying to get out of that. Um, but no, I, I definitely tell the Marines now, like, look, dude, like whenever you get out and you start and you go your initial appointments to the VA and stuff, they're going to review your entire medical history and base the ratings off of that. Right. Yeah. Like, and if you don't have it documented, it's going to be hard to get that, especially because you want to try to get as much as you can service connected. Right. Like, yep. if you don't have any documentations about when it happened and how it happened. You're never going to get that done. Right. Like that's why it's important whenever you go to medical and they say, well, ha what happened and how does this happen? Oh, I was on a hike or I was doing this. I was doing this type of training and I twisted my ankle. Right. Make yes, sure that, absolutely. Make sure literally all of that is in there because if it is actual combat, simulated combat means like when you're going to the field and stuff, right? Like field ops, that's simulated combat. Um, any kind of training event, that's PT, hikes, whatever, right? Have that in the documentation when you go to medical because that's most how definitely gonna, that's how it's going to get service connected. So, kind of moving on a little bit, what have you taken from your time in service that has helped you get to where you are today? Like being successful, you know what I mean? Like, what have you taken from your time in the Marine Corps that's gotten so, you to where you are? So, a big thing, and I know, and I, <laughs> it's funny saying because. You know, we kind of bashed on a little bit about mental health and all that and going to medical, but honestly, yeah. the leadership aspect, being able to uh, being able to work with diverse groups, you know, because in the Marine Corps, in the military, in the world, you know, we got different colors, different religions, different genders, different sexes, different, everything's there. Everybody's different. Everybody. It's a, it's a melting and, pot, legitimately. Yes. And that was one of the biggest things, being able to learn how to deal with such a diverse group of people and and get them to all do what I wanted to get them to do what my staff sergeant wanted, my lieutenant wanted, the Marine yep. Corps wanted, but just learning how to lead people, learning how to motivate them, how to talk to them, how to how to get them to do what they need to do. Sometimes even when they don't want to do it or they don't know, you know, they don't want to do it and they still do it yeah. with a smile on their face. That was so it, as much as I talked about how mean I was um, and how like tough guy I wanted to be, that was always my end goal. Like I wanted them to do it with a smile on their face. You know, we walked through, there was times, um, especially in Afghanistan, we walked through saying in Afghanistan, landmines everywhere, smiling and laughing. Um, yeah. There was times where they was like, I, my Marines were like, I don't want to do that. And I'd be like, well, I'll go first. Like, we're going to do this. We don't have a choice. I'll go first. And as we're going, we're laughing and we're joking. And the next thing you know, everybody's right there with me. And it's, a, you know, and that's yeah. my, that is what has helped me get through civilian life as well. Because it, it's been a hard transition. I've had to change how I talk to people a bit. But just that leadership. Because uh, when I got out and I went to the oil field, it was, uh, a bunch of the oil fields, a bunch of hard dudes, too. So that actual first job was wasn't a very hard transition because I went from one group of hard dudes to another group of hard dudes. But, you know, again, it was a lot of a big population of like uh, Mexican workers. And I don't speak Spanish, right. um, but I was able to work with them because I've worked with I've worked with uh, Spanish speakers in the military. I've worked with Iraqis. I worked with Afghans who didn't speak you know much English right. and. It's a lot of hand and arm signals, a lot of pointing, a lot oh, of yeah. this, a lot of that. But that's one of the biggest things that helped me. It's just the leadership skills the Marine Corps gives. Um, I mean, that's every job I've only had. 
everywhere I've been in the civilian world, I've been in a leadership position almost instantly uh, because of my leadership background. I got out as a sergeant. I was leading Marines almost my entire time, whether it was a, a four man team or a 13 man squad, whatever it was. Um, so the leadership has really helped me. And I, and I see that in the civilian world where it's lacking yeah. Uh, people don't know how to lead people. They don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to get people. They don't know how to get people to do stuff that they don't want to do with a smile on their face. Right. Uh, I see that so much, especially where I work now, which again, Bucky's is an amazing job. Don't fire me, Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's, you know, there's a bunch that's it's leadership heavy, lots of managers, lots of team leads and whatnot. And I see them struggling. Uh, we honestly have a, a at certain stores, we have a high turnover rate of employees. And a lot of it is due to the leadership, not knowing how to talk to people and not knowing how to motivate right. people, not knowing how to train people, uh, build them up. And that's the all stuff that I think that I, I learned from the Marine Corps and I do pretty well is teaching people, leading people and building people up to get them to the point. Because especially in the Marine Corps, you know, I was always told the Marine doesn't Marine Corps doesn't want robots. We want thinkers. And that's what I try to do. I try to teach people my job. That way, if I'm not there, yeah, they can do it. Yeah, and, and I don't not right want... because what what happens if I get shot? Somebody's got to do my job now, right? Like exactly. And, and, that, and that mentality sticks with us, right, for the rest of our lives. When we're especially when we're in a leadership position, everybody I've had on my show, and I've had eleven episodes now of my my session one, my original session I started. Every single person talks about leadership, especially the ones that were Marines. That is primary, their number one thing that they've taken from the Marine Corps. I 100% agree with the leadership. I will, I, I, again, I don't know what other services teach for leadership, but I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps has the best leadership education, like the like primary military education. Like RPME, I think, is probably going to be the best across all services. And I think that's the reason a lot of us take the leadership with us and we're in, and we're so successful when we're put into leadership positions because we thrive in chaos, right? Like <laughs> when, when there's chaos, that's when we work the best. Like I work the best under pressure, you know? Absolutely. I, I, honestly, like I've worked the best under pressure. So, and again, that comes from being in a Marine Corps and the, the situations and scenarios we are put in, but no, yeah, like, Everybody I had on my show that were that especially that were that were Marines, that was their top thing that they took also was leadership. I think that speaks to the service, right? I think that that really speaks to the services, regardless if you had bad leadership. Everybody's had bad leadership in their career. Had good, sure. leader, had good leadership in our careers, right? But if you if everybody has said that the best thing that I took was the leadership I was taught how to be. And I think that that thing that speaks words about the service itself. You know what I mean? Most definitely. So yeah, and then leadership. I I think that's also kind of what what helps me at least is doing the things that I do. Like I've joined some. I've joined a nonprofit organization. I'm a voting board member for um, an organization called Hackers for Vets. We provide IT certification vouchers, money for tuition for IT or cyber courses, stuff like that. Um, it's awesome yeah trying to get like veterans into it and cyber is specifically what we're trying to do help them get into the into the field you know because uh, certifications are expensive 
education is super expensive, you know, so trying to help out the, any way that we can. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had our first um, awardee gave him $10,000 towards his education. That's and, awesome, man. That is yeah. dope. Yeah. So, I, and again, I think the leadership skills that I, that I've gotten from the Marine Corps helped me get involved and be a part of organizations like that. You know what I mean? I act, I'm, I'm in the process of getting my five-year plan for my own nonprofit organization. And again, I think going back to the leadership is what, what helps me do those things and going out and doing the TikToks, being able to put those out there, talk to people, you know, and again, I, I really think that comes back to being the, the leader that we had to be in the Marine Corps and how diverse our subordinates were. I think, again, that, that helps us be able to speak to almost an unlimited number of people or whoever they are. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you believe yes. in, right? Like, you, we could talk to them in a professional manner and, ne and not judge them for anything, right? And back to your point about, like, civilians, like, that's not taught in the civilian world. And it shows bad, right? Like, people just don't know how to interact with anybody. They don't. They, they're afraid to tell them that they're doing a bad job. Yeah. You know, like that happens all the time. Like, well, this person didn't do the things that they were supposed to. Okay. Write them up. Yeah, or if it's the first time, give them a verbal warning. Right. Happens again. Document it. Happens the third yes. time. Fire them. Right. Like, don't yes. be afraid. To, don't be afraid to fire somebody. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's one thing that I've learned since being out now is like, the leadership skills and the personal interaction skills just aren't there like I thought they were going to be. No, it is like because even even now where I work now, I'll have uh, you know, we have three shifts and I'll have managers from other shifts be like, hey, I just saw I just walked by this person and saw this person doing this. Can you go tell them to do it like this? And I always and I always tell them. If you just walked by and you just saw it, why didn't you correct it when you saw it? Like right. I'll go take care of it because you you're asking me to, but like you just walked by and saw yeah. it, you should have just immediately said something like yeah, and then and then just let you know for courtesy, right? Like yes, like just so you know what's going on. Yeah, people <laughs> are afraid of. They want you to be honest, but as soon as you're honest, they call you a prick or, a, or an asshole, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm just being honest, dude. Like, I'm not trying to be mean, right? Like, I'm just being honest with you because I like you and I want you to do better, right? Like, yes, <laughs> that's all I it actually, is. I work, I actually work with a, I work with a Navy veteran too. And he's a cool dude. He's, I think he's in his forties, early forties, late thirties. Anyways, he's a cool dude. I like him. I like to talk to him. Uh, we got a lot of the same interests, but obviously talk about the service and stuff. We talk about, you know, movies and all this and that. But, man, there's there's days where I'm like, bro, like these 18 and 19 year old civilian kids are like running circles around you, like work wise. Like, I need you to get it together. And. Um, man, he, he is he is a struggle. And I'm just like and but and it's and I think it's like going back to the Marine Corps, how you said, like the leadership of that. And it's just even with the other branches and I don't want to talk mess on the other branches. Cause I love right. all the service members. The Navy is awesome. My buddy I'm talking about is awesome, but I just feel like the Marine Corps just has a higher level of, of leadership and like esprit de corps and dedication yeah. than, than the other branches. 
No, absolutely. Um, like having pride in what you do, regardless of what it is, right? Yes. Like, if I'm if I'm fielding a bathroom, I, I need to be proud about what I'm the job that I'm doing and do the best job that I can doing it, right? Yes, absolutely. So like and I, and I definitely I definitely think that's one thing that the Marine Corps breeds into us is is that is having pride in what you are doing and do the best that you can at it. And if you're and and also like if your hundred percent isn't what somebody else thinks hundred percent is, who cares? Right? Like yeah. as long as you're putting in the effort, that's all that matters. Um kind of going back to some of the mental health conversation. Uh, what are some things that that help you get through the days and kind of look do you do you look back on things and reflect on it in a good way or a bad way like what are some things that you do that that helps you get through the days man honestly hmm. obviously the biggest thing i'm going to say is poetry right poetry poetry has literally saved my life like it, a hundred percent. If if I didn't write poetry, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. That's the number one thing that that just being able to get that out, write it all down. Because even before I started sharing it, just being able to write it down and look at it. And I have poems that I wrote years ago, and like I would be crying and mad and yelling and crumble up and throw it away, which I wish I wouldn't have done that. Looking back, right. but that poem that I crumble up and threw away. Well, which I don't even remember any of it. Like I, that helps save my life. Poetry helps save my life. Anytime I'm struggling, I, whether it's just a line or two or three pages or whatever, yeah. poetry is probably the biggest thing. And then my kids, man. I got two little punk, I, got, I got two little punk kids. I got a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. <laughs> and and again, I don't I honestly like if I didn't have them, like if I was not a dad, if I didn't have any kids. I don't think I would be here right now either. Even with um, the poetry, I think I think they they it's a it's a package deal because the poetry yeah. definitely helps me. It's all or but none. Even, but even with that, because and if I if I have time later, I'll read the poem I'm talking about out of my book. But um, there's a poem in my book I uh, titled "Disdain," and it's about a night where I had a gun in my mouth. Uh, I wrote the poem afterwards, but. Uh, and that's do you what wanna, the whole do you, wanna, do you want to read it right now? Uh, I mean, I can. But yeah, I'll, I'll read this. Um, yeah, if you if you and then I'll finish it, it up. I'll, yeah, read read a little bit and then, and then talk about it. All right. So, like I said, this one's I, I titled this one "Disdain," and like I said, I wrote this probably five years ago, and it was a uh, me and my my ex wife. Well, we actually just filed like finally filed the paperwork, but we've been like separated for about six years, five years, right around the time I wrote this. Um, and I'm going to read this and I'm talking about her, but we're in a much better place now. Uh, both of us have our mental health struggles. Um, both of us have gotten a lot of help and whatnot. So I, when I read this, I don't want people because it kind of, especially the opening part, kind of shines a bad light on her, but we're much in a much better place. Uh, she looks through me with eyes of ice, the flames long extinguished. She screams that she hates me, and I understand why. She tells me she wishes for my death, 
that I should have died in Afghanistan, that just my waking and drawing breath makes her angry. She says I should just kill myself and fade from memory, that everything would be better that way. So I put that cold metal in my mouth and cry. I cry from the hurt and the fear. I cry because I did not die, because I walked that scorched earth and lived to tell the tale, because each day is a reminder of my failings as a husband, a father, a Marine. My face begins to ache, sore from the chatter of my teeth on that hard metal. Such an awful sound, a sad melody, death's lullaby. A chill comes over me as sweat bleeds through my clothing. My body trembles as my heart pounds through my chest. In a moment, in a moment, it will all be over. My emotions, my thoughts, my pain, my burden. In an instant, it will be no more. No more guilt, no regret, no more late night fights losing my mind. Nothingness shall be my salvation. My finger flirts with the trigger, hesitant and nervous like the first time they explored a woman. I start to gently squeeze the trigger and time stops. I envision life without me. I see the mess someone will find, the blood and brain scattered about, the lifeless shell that was once me piled on the floor. And I hope it is not my boys. I think about family and friends, my brothers, the tears they will shed, the cliche social media posts they will make. I think about the guilty sigh of relief some will take, and as I continue to pull the trigger, something makes me stop. Something deep within me, that part of me that pulls life from, my, from the hate and discontent of my world. My rage. My monster. My duality. It screams from the abyss, bellowing in a voice of disdain to remove the gun from my mouth. I beg it, please, no. Let me finish what I have started. Let me end it all because I have grown weary of this life, of the pain, the lies, the betrayal. This thing, this monster in me cares not for my feelings. It laughs at my weakness and it speaks with a voice of contempt. The words it has always said to move me forward, forget them. Do not give in to your weak desires. You are a warrior and this is not how I will let us die. Again, I plead, let me be. Let me wallow in my woe. Let me end this torment. Let me feel the sweet release of nothingness. The metal in my mouth chokes me as tears and saliva run down my face. As I circle the room, faster and faster I move. And I know not what to do. So again, it speaks to me. It tells me what I must do that I must live in spite of my pain, that life is suffering and my suffering is far from over. And so I remove the gun from my mouth, collapsing on the floor, crying. I shall live despite her and the ones who want me gone. My life will be lived in protest to my failures and through my suffering, I shall find my redemption.
I will live in aversion to the ones who want me gone. I will live in servitude for the ones who need me. And I will live in suffering for myself, forever atoning my mistakes, forever searching a loveless world for a true love. So yeah, that's, that's that's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's a poem. I wrote that. Like I literally I, I dropped the gun and picked up the pen in the same night. That's the that's amazing, dude. Um but so poetry, my kids. You know what else? <sighs> Sorry, I'll click my thoughts for a second. No, you're good. Um man. something that I thought was silly when I went to therapy and I was doing it. Breathing exercises. Breathing yeah. exercises, grounding techniques, and meditation. My therapist called it mindfulness, but mindfulness, meditation, whatever you want to call it, where you just kind of, you're just in the moment, you, you kind of let all your thoughts go away. It takes a minute to get there, but you just let all your thoughts go away. Sometimes I'll have like a piece of paper and I just focus on the sound of me rubbing that paper. And after a minute, that's all there is, is that sound. But yeah. That's what gets me through, man. Poetry, kids, meditation. That's awesome. And then dude. just suffering. So some days I just suffer, man. I'm just like, yeah. today's gonna suck. Like Yeah. I mean, we we all we all have our good days and bad days, you know, and it's I think it's all about how do we overcome the bad and don't let it take us under, right? I think that's what's the most important is finding that way for for you because Maybe writing poetry doesn't work for somebody, you know, or maybe they never even thought about writing or journaling because I, I never thought about it until I, until, I, until I started going to counseling and stuff. And it's definitely helped me out a lot. I would say like get an argument with, with the wife or, or the kids or something. But, and before I say the wrong thing in that moment, I stop myself and I just go write down my feelings. Like, how do I feel? Because it, for me, it's a lot easier to write down how I feel than to say how I feel. Um, because a lot of times the way I say things don't come out in the meaning of how, like what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, man, I, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like I'll say some stuff and they'll be like, dude, why are you being so, like, why are you being a dick? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to be. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know, like it, it, so, <laughs> like, in situations like that, it definitely is it's easier for me to write down how I feel and what, what I'm thinking than it is for me trying to say it. I will say when I first started recording my podcast, I was nervous, but again, one thing I wanted to do with my transition was staying connected to the veteran community. Cause I think that's important too. And honestly, that's what helped. That's what's helped me a lot with my transition getting out of the Marine Corps and stuff is just staying connected with the veteran community, knowing that, you have other veterans that are going through a lot of the same things you are and that you can help each other out in any, in some way. Right. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and I, that's something I kind of lost when I, in the oil field, I worked with a lot of veterans. And so, but then after I left the oil field, I kind of lost touch with a lot of brothers, with a lot of friends, with a lot of military yeah. and then getting involved in TikTok this last couple of years. Um, I've reconnected with a lot of friends I lost and a lot of new veterans. Um, yeah. There's a big veteran presence on TikTok doing good, great things. Yes. Um, that's one thing I would say. Like, I was actually pretty surprised about how many TikTok accounts there are 
that are veterans ran and that are doing some amazing things to help other veterans and to spread the word about veteran mental health and veteran suicide and stuff like that. I think, I think it's amazing what, what a lot of people out there are doing. Most definitely. So before we kind of move on, let's get a little, little poke at your book here. So if you could tell us what the name of the book is that you had published and where can we find it? Oh man. So the mad ramblings of a Joker by me, Brandon Dillon. And it's on, uh, I mean, it's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. I'm like, you can get it on Amazon, Goodreads. I think those are the two main places. There's an audio book too. Um, I have a link tree, like in my TikTok bio and stuff. It has all my socials and the Amazon and the audio book. But yeah, if you just go on Amazon and search my name or search the Mad Ramblings of a Joker, it'll pop up. Awesome, dude. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'll make sure and put your 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 link tree. Uh, link in the show notes as well um also awesome. I, I i have your link to amazon on my link tree as well because it's showing support oh, dope. thank you, know? you. so try, trying to share it with whoever whoever i can you know what i mean that's awesome if you would like would you like to share some of the things that have put you in a dark place and how you've handled them going like going through them and stuff like that um like recently through my career like just e- either man. one so, or, you know, obviously, like, like I said, um, I still struggle with my childhood a lot. You know, I dealt with a lot of trauma and stuff then, a lot of violence and drugs. You know, Iraq, I fought in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, and all of that stuff is bad. But some of the stuff that puts me in, like, um. And I'm working on some new poetry about it because I've just now really started to dive it in because I've really I focused on my childhood and stuff I dealt with. I focused on wars, you know, suicide bombers and IEDs and firefights and stuff, uh, all the obvious stuff, failed relationships and 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 divorces and just awful things that we've said to each other. But some of this, some of the new poetry that I'm starting to work on and it's I haven't posted any of it or talked about any of it or any of that yet because I'm still it's some of the stuff how I talked earlier about how I treated that one marine of mine right that's oh man because I had I've had a couple incidents like that where I just I treated people and not just marines but just people in general throughout my life really poorly I've said terrible things I put my hands on a few marines in the past you know uh, in the moment, it was justified, I feel like, especially because there was a time in Afghanistan where the Marine put the whole squad in danger. But there's ways I could have handled it better. But those are the. That is what I'm struggling with right now is how I've treated people in the past and. Looking the person I am now, looking back at the person I used to be uh, and how I treated some people, man, that is really messing with my head right now. Right. So I'm working on that. I'm working on some stuff with that because I have a lot of my Marines love me. Um, They still message me now. You saved my life. You helped me get through Afghanistan. You helped me get through Iraq. A lot of people I've worked with, same thing. But there's, you know, we're all humans. I have a few Marines that they don't talk to me. I tried to reach out to them. I've tried to add them on social medias and, and rightfully so. Um, so that is, that is, 
that's what I'm struggling with now. That is what's put me in a dark place now. I think when um, when we first started talking about this, I wasn't even like that's what really started making me think about that um, several months ago when we first started talking about doing this. Yeah, I had not ever really. I mean, I had thought about it, but um, you know, I always the war you know bombing shootings right. my childhood drugs i was always like that's always the worst but now i'm in a different place you know these three four five months later and that is what i'm really dealing with internally right now is i how i treated some of these people you know because the marine corps is such a strong brotherhood and i got brothers that if I called them right now and said, Hey, I need you to fly out here and help me. They would fly out here and help me. Yeah. And same thing for, you know, vice versa. But I also have some that they want nothing to do with me. And it was towards the end of my enlistment where it was, and sad to say, but it was, it was like mental health reasons. Like they were struggling mentally and I just wasn't there as a leader to be able to deal with that. Yeah. Cause I didn't have those tools to know how to deal with it. Yeah, because um, your leaders never gave you the tools to help deal with situations like that either. Man, I know. Because I know, for instance, just. Man, I'm not painting myself in a very good light. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. man, there was this time in Afghanistan where one of our Marines got hit with an IED. We're, we're set up security. We're getting the corpsman up there. We got guys dealing with the with the Marine and one of one of the engineers, I he needs to sweep out an area, man. He needs to, and he's uh, he's just crying. He can't move. He's terrified. You know, he's scared. Yeah. Um. But in that moment, like I didn't, and this is where I struggle because I feel like some of it is justified, but I did not. I still the way I handled it is anyway. Like I just I jerked him around. I threw him around. Told him get the fuck out of here. I said get get the fuck away like you're you're in the way like you're not doing anything you know people are dying right now and you're just fucking standing here crying and in that same moment though like i had i was i had wiped some tears away i choked some tears away and shoved all that shit down deep because in that moment we didn't have time for that right but at the same time like man and he's one of the ones like he'll never talk to me again and, um, and you know, it was, and the guy, the Marine, he didn't make it. Um, and we, we had engineers. So I was with one five and we had an engineer battalion attached to us. So we had gotten close to these guys, you know, we got close to these engineers and I want to give a shout out to the engineers when we were in Sangin because man, they had big, big, big brass balls leading these patrols through this these minefields that the Taliban had set up for us. But we had gotten close with them, but not the, like they were the same unit. They were, you know, they had trained together. We yeah. had just got them when we got there. And uh, so, you know, he was super close to that guy, that Marine that had um, just died there. So yeah. again, like looking back, I understand why he was freezing up. I understand why he was crying. Um, I wish I would have handled it better. I wish I would have been a little more gentle with him, but in the moment, I just, what I couldn't, 
I couldn't do it then. I wish yeah. I could have, but and I got other incidents like that, and that's that's where I'm at now. I'm really unpackaging and processing how I've dealt with some some people in the past, whether they were Marines, whether it was combat, whether it was civilians, whether it was um, you know an ex-wife. Uh, I have two of them. you know but that's that's really where i'm at right now in my um i'm dealing with those kind of dark spots where i'm really unpackaging how i deal with people yeah i i I think you're probably not the only one that deals with that also you know what i mean I'm, i'm 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 glad you mentioned stuff like that because that doesn't get talked about a lot like in the moment, like you said, the way you reacted was justified in the moment because that was the mentality that we were, that was bred into us, right? Like, like, no, like you don't show emotions, regardless of what just happened, <clears throat> you don't show any emotion. You hold it in and you continue, you continue the fight. You push on, like that was, that was it. That Absolutely. Was, that's what was forced into us and that's who we became. I would say that's how, that's who the majority became was that. And it never left us, even after transition. That's who we still are, in a way. And like you said, I, I think that in itself causes a problem when we get out and try to talk to people, especially when they're slacking at their job. Like, like, <laughs> dude, all you're doing is re, re, like restocking the vegetables at Walmart. Like, how can you mess this up? No, exactly. Right? Like, but the way you, if you're, if you're one of their like managers or like the produce section, like lead, and you can't talk to the ones that like your subordinates like that, because they're going to be like, if you do like, I'm gone, bro. Like, no, absolutely. You know? So like, yeah. Cause again, like, how are you messing this up? Like, no, like, Hey, I, I got like the sniffles. I got a cold. I'm sick. I don't care. Come to work. Like you got work to do, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like, so <clears throat> But again, like there's no real reset training and the, what they call it's called TRS now transition training seminar. Like it was called taps and tams back in the day. Like yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't set people up for transition. Like it gives Heck them resources no. and like it gives them resources and kind of helps them get an initial resume, like put together. But I was going to say that's it, what it, I for, it forces it, it forces <laughs> them to get on LinkedIn now. Right. Like that's about all it does, but it doesn't really, it doesn't set them up for success in the transition. Right. Because like it doesn't teach them the personal skills that they have to refine now to interact with civilians, right. To interact with society again, without being active duty anymore. Right. Like that's a big change because civilian side, like their mindset is nothing like ours. No, the way they handle tasks isn't the way we handle tasks, right? Like when I first started my job, I, I worked 100% remote from home, which is nice, but I had to write up some reports and stuff. Like, so, like, I was getting um, introduced to a project that they hired me for, and I was going over some of the like the historical documents and stuff like that. And so, I wrote over this report, uh, sent it to my program manager, and and this, and I had this done with him, like three or four days, right? And I probably could have had it done faster, but I just wanted to make sure I had everything in line and like the details and stuff like that. And she was so impressed about the format and how things were put together, the detail that I went in about what, like with all the documents and stuff, what I reviewed. And that like, 
that type of work is not common in the civilian sector, right? Like, no, absolutely, yeah. So, and, and it doesn't matter the career path either. Like, it's it's just not. Let's say you take a veteran that's a janitor at a high school. I guarantee you, he's a way better janitor than the other ones that are not veterans because he takes no, pride in. Like, he's going to take pride in what he's doing to make that place look as best he can. He or she can, right? But like the other ones, they're like. Oh yeah, I'm just here to do a job. I'm just cleaning floors. I'm just cleaning bathrooms, like whatever, dude. No, um, and that's what, and again, that's what I try to um at this job now and past past employment. That's why I try to tell them it don't matter. It don't matter if you're making a, a taco or you're you're yeah. slicing meat or whatever you're doing. Like you want to be the best meat slicer there is. Oh, 100%. like when when someone comes in, they well, oh, who sliced this? Oh, so and so. Like, dang, they, you know. And but that is a big the big difference I see because it's a lot of eh, eh, yeah I don't care you know no, I'm absolutely. gonna leave you know and that's that is a big thing like I try to tell people you gotta take pride in it, it don't matter if you're mopping the floor yeah. or you're you know you're doing open heart surgery like you want to take pride in whatever you're doing absolutely. man like because what I will say too is another thing that I've learned like if you take pride in it in the civilian world the way you used to in the Marine Corps you'll actually get recognized and people will actually compliment you on the work that you're doing. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like at least in the Marine Corps, you don't get complimented for what you do a lot of times. If you, do a good <laughs> job. you don't, right? Like you don't That's get your job. Yeah, exactly. Like why, why am I going to say that you're doing a good job if you're just doing your job, right? Like you're, you're doing a job. Congratulations, dude. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's totally like, no. Yeah. Like here's the thing. If you take pride in doing your work the way you did in the Marine Corps, even though it's just doing your job, you are doing it at a much higher level than the others. Guaranteed, Absolutely. Right. Guaranteed. And you're actually going to get recognized for that. Like that's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're working in fast food or in retail or you're a janitor. It doesn't matter what your, what your job is or your career field is. Take pride in it. Cause I guarantee you nobody else is going to. Right. Nope. And so like and that's and that's another reason a lot of companies want to hire veterans because they know the work that they're going to get out of them. You know? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, like and I can understand looking back and like how you treated people. I, I can I can definitely understand that, especially when I was a corporal and a sergeant. And you know, same thing with you, like corporals, they were the pit bull, right? Like <laughs> all they did was run around and yell because nobody could do anything right, right? Like that's that's <laughs> what you did. And then as a sergeant, you run around yelling at the corporals because they can't do anything right or make anybody else do anything right. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, that's, that's just what it was, you know, but that's, I, luckily I got to spend 16 years in the Marine Corps. My last four years was as a chief warrant officer. And I tell people all the time, like, I think becoming a chief warrant officer was the best thing that I could do to help me transition because I still got to interact with Marines, but I didn't lead Marines in in a, in, a, in a general sense of leading Marines. Like, yes, I still led Marines because I taught Marines things. I just talked to them about things, getting them to know who they are, right? And that's just being a leader, regardless if they work for you or not. That's just being a leader. And the best part about it was, as being a chief officer, I got to be the realest me I had ever been in a really long time. And because I wasn't enlisted anymore, so I didn't care what the first sergeant said. I didn't care what the sergeant major said. I really <laughs> didn't. 
you know what I mean? But I also wasn't an unrestricted officer, like the lieutenants and the other captains and stuff like that. So I got to play the best of both worlds. I was an officer, but I wasn't like the others. I wasn't enlisted, but I came from that, right? So I mm -hmm. understood what they were going through. So I literally got to be the realest me that I had ever been in a really, really long time. And I just talked to Marines like they were people, right? I didn't talk to them like I had been ingrained in my brain on how to talk to Marines. I didn't sound like I was trying to bully them every time I talked to them. You know, I literally it didn't matter if it was a private or a full bird colonel. Like I talked to them the same, you know, yeah. like I'd be like, dude, like, so what's going on, man? Like, talk to me. Like, you got this problem? What's going on? Let's, let's work through this. Right. Like I'd bro them. I would do them. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but again, they reacted to that way better than if I came like, Hey, what's up, Marine? What's going on? We doing work. Oh yeah. You know, like, Hey, hard charger, what's going on? Like, you know, like they Marines, especially these days, don't react to that very well. They don't. It's because of society, right? And, oh, and, yeah. and a mentality of society, which I understand. And so, like, that's another thing, too, is like being able to kind of change and mold to how society changes, you know, like, yeah, you got to grow with the times. Exactly. And like being a chief officer really allowed me to do that. And it's helped me at least how I talk to civilians and interact with civilians, I think. But I know if I'd have got out when I was a staff sergeant before I got selected for one officer, like there'd been no way I'd have done really good in, in the civilian life, especially up out like up front. There's no way because I came from being an instructor at my entry-level schoolhouse. Yeah. You know? So like still dealing with entry-level Marines, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, so like you, you know you, you were a still training battalion like so you know dealing with like the entry-level marines oh my gosh yeah still training pipeline so you know exactly what i'm talking about right like oh my they, they don't they don't know what's going on they they think they know the marine corps but they yeah. really don't you know <laughs> so it, it it's definitely it, it was just different you know and, and if i'd have got out then i don't think i would have been as successful as i have been outside and I definitely don't think I would have started doing the things that I've done to stay connected with the veteran community, you know, because I, I started thinking, and especially talking to Marines, like they would actually tell me what their problems were before they would tell anybody else, you know, because I had that relationship, that professional relationship that, hey, look, man, like you can come talk to me whenever about whatever. It doesn't matter. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And I think that was super important because some of those Marines did some of the best work. Just because of how I interacted with them, it made them more comfortable. It made them eager to learn more, you know, when I was teaching and it made them want to do better. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I, like I said, I think that really helped me. And like, cause now that like I talk to everybody the same now, just like how I did with those Marines and other chief officers, that's exactly how I talk now because that was the real me, you know, mm -hmm. that's who Jonathan Cole is, is, that guy who's super relaxed doesn't need to yell at anybody you know and becomes the teacher you know and says hey look this is how we really need to do this and this is why we need to do it this way but i could definitely agree if if not for that portion of my career i don't think i would have been able to be as successful as in the world for sure yeah and i think that's what a lot of us struggle with is is that because they don't get the chance to truly be themselves like who they really are you know, well, 
And I was going to say that guy you're talking about right now that you found at the end of your, at the end of your enlistment, that's, mm-hmm. that's where I've been getting to. I mean, I've been out for 10 years now and that's where I'm just now like that guy who's more chill, who can talk. And yeah. that's how I am at, at my job now. That's, you know, I don't need to yell at nobody. Yeah. I don't need to do any of that. I just walk around. I tell them how it is. I ask them what their problems are. I try to be understanding. And that's the other, the thing that the, and then I implement, you know, my, my leadership skills to that. And yeah. that's where the other managers are like, well, how do you get this person to work? I could never get them to work. And I'm like, well, have you ever talked to them? Did you ever see what's wrong? Did you ever see yeah. what's going on? Have you tried to show them a better way? And that's where I'm just now. I was just telling somebody the other day, I am just now kind of, life is is finding yourself and losing yourself and finding yourself and i am on i'm in the the cusp of finding finding me again right yeah. now like who oh, yeah. i am and, and, and you're going to go through different stages of that until you find out who the real you is and it, it like i said I, i'm fortunate that i got to, to start that and truly find out who i am before i, I got out of the marine corps a lot of us don't get to do that and again, you, you go through phases and stages with that because you might find yourself in and realize that's not who you are. Yeah. Because you know? like like for me, before right before I graduated high school, like I started riding bulls, you know, rodeo cowboy. That's what I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be a firefighter, a bull rider, and go and join the Marine Corps. Like those were the three things I wanted to do in life, right? <laughs> and and honestly, I've done all three of those things. I was a junior firefighter in high school, or and then I became a bull rider, and then I joined the Marine Corps. That's right? awesome, man. But Again, like it's the stages of who you think you are until you find the newer you, the better yes. you, right? And again, I loved being a junior firefighter. You know, I love I loved what we did as junior firefighters, interacting with the community, actually still being able to help during on, on calls and stuff with fires. Then I became a bull rider, and that was a phenomenal time. It was a crazy time. All I did was party and ride bulls. It was phenomenal. <laughs> I did that for four years. It was great. But I started getting hurt, and I was like, "Man, I, I won't. I won't last long in this career." Not a lot of people do last long, right? And I was like, "You know what? I'm not getting any younger. I still want to be a Marine." So I enlisted in the Marine Corps and found my new self that bred to be the status quo Marine. You know, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted a high first class PFT. I wanted to be able to be the fastest runner, right? Like that's what you wanted. That's what what you strive for. I want to be high shooter on the range. I want to I want to get up to the highest level of mat belt that I can. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what was bred into us. You know, absolutely. Don't, don't settle. Always look for more. Want to be more. I mean, shoot, they do it. They they do it to us with PME. Like as a corporal, hey, do the sergeant's non-resident. It's gonna make you competitive, right? Like. Mm-hmm. it's not a requirement as a corporal it's a requirement when you become a sergeant but let's go ahead and get it done now right yep. you better be ready for the next one you know that's right yeah like everything that we have in our past has definitely gotten us to where we are today in our life and like i truly believe everything happens for a reason right and you, you never know what that reason is going to be like I've had things in my life that has, that's happened and I don't know what the end goal is. Um, I'm hoping what I'm doing with my podcast and my interaction, like in the veteran community is what my end goal is supposed to be. Like that's who I, like, that is what I, what my true purpose is for in life is what I'm trying to do. Right. 
but my senior year, so the, the first semester of my senior year was in the fall of 2002, so a year after 9-11, I stepped into the Marine Corps that fall. The, the reason I didn't get to go to recruit training in June, that, the June after I graduated is because I started riding bulls and hurt my knee, right? But I look back at that time, so I would have I I I went to recruit training in J June 19th of 2003. I would have graduated in September. I would have went to SOI in that same September, right? Mm -hmm. By the end of the month. And I would have graduated SOI, like completely, regardless if I was 0 through 11 or 51 or whatever, my follow-on schools, if I had one, I'd be out of there by December, right? Get to the fleet in January of 2004. What happened in the spring of 2004? Mm. First Fallujah, mm. right? Yeah, man. What, what happened in the fall of 2004? Phantom Fury. What happened in 2005? Ramadi. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, so, like, looking back on my life, and that's, like, that stuff I started journaling and writing about, too, because, like, that, that instance is what makes me believe that everything, how big or how little, it happens for a reason, right? Because if I hurt, hadn't hurt my knee, I would have joined the Marine Corps in 2003. I may or may not have come back from either one of those, or I may have come back and had to go to the next one. Yep. You know, and when I did, come, if I did make it back, I wouldn't be a hundred percent, whether it be physically or mentally, like no. at all, right? And I couldn't show my emotions. I couldn't go get help for it because you didn't want to seem weak because we had to get ready for the next one. Yep. You know? So like looking at stuff like that in my life and like what's thrown me into the course that I've I've lived truly, truly makes me believe everything happens for a reason. And everybody you you come in contact with is for some reason right even if it's just for an instance maybe you, you only interact with them one time but there's a reason for it no right? most definitely there's always a reason because you the conversation you have you may have helped them with something right or they could have helped you with something you know you never know so those are the two things that i truly live by everything happens for a reason and everybody that you come into contact with is for a reason Again, you don't know what those reasons are. You can only hope that you that you'll someday know, you know. And so, like, yep, I I feel that this is my purpose is 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 trying to do what I can to help the veteran community, you know. No, that's and that's that's an awesome outlook to have. I totally, I totally agree. And I started coming up with kind of like the same kind of idea. I have a girlfriend now, and um, uh, she's a little, she's a short little Latina girl, so she's. <laughs> A fireball. Fire yeah, I'm about to say she's a fireball. Um, <laughs> and she always likes to joke with me because you know I have kids and stuff, and she loves my kids, and my kids love her and everything. But she's a. Uh, I can't believe you were married before me, and I can't believe this, and I can't believe that. <laughs> and but I tell her, I said, look, um, and she'll talk about like how I was a thug when I was growing up, and I was a punk kid, and but yeah. I tell her, I said, if I wasn't that punk kid, if I didn't break into that house, if I didn't get arrested that one time, if I didn't run into my recruiter sergeant patterson and he didn't uh because that was something i hadn't talked about but my recruiter really i didn't have a dad growing up and i don't want to say he was a dad because i only knew him for about a year yeah. but he was a pretty big father figure in that time he looked out for me a lot especially my senior year when my mom was gone but i tell her like if i didn't meet him if i didn't go to the marine corps if i didn't meet my first wife if i didn't if i didn't yeah. meet my second wife or if i didn't have these kids because i'm from indiana I live down in Houston, Texas now, 
uh, that's because that's where my ex-wife is from. That's where yeah. my kids live. That's where their family. So like I said, if all of that wouldn't have happened, I would have never started working at Bucky's because that's where me and her met. So yeah. I would have never started working at Bucky's. I would have never met you. And so I've been telling people like you just you just never know. Life is left turns and right turns, and yeah. you don't know what turn's going to take you where. And oh. ten years down the road, you might look back and go, "Man, that right there is what set this whole thing off." Like, oh yeah, that's like me, man. Like, if I hadn't hurt my knee, bef- like before I graduated high school, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have had my kids. You know, like none of that. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't yep, have met yeah. any. Like, I wouldn't have met. I wouldn't met I wouldn't met the friends or had the friends that I made while riding bulls, you know. I wouldn't have met the people that I've met in like my career in the Marine Corps. I probably wouldn't have made it a career, you know, mm-hmm. because again, like like yeah, I came in as a data marine. This this like my the, like in two thousand six, but two thousand three, I was coming in as an 03. Like that's what yeah. I wanted to be because that's what everybody wanted to be then. Like they yeah. wanted to go, they wanted to go kill bad guys because you just hit us we want to kill you now right like that was the mentality of that generation and so like that's what i wanted to do but again looking back like if i hadn't hurt my knee who knows if i'd even be alive from combat or from mental struggles right like when yeah. i get home who knows i like i said like everything happens for a reason and everybody you meet happens for a reason as well most so, definitely and and you can only hope that one day you get to a point in your life to where you realize that and you know what your true calling is supposed to be. Because not everybody finds their true calling. But I, 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 I do think a lot of veterans do because of the struggles and we want to help each other. You mm-hmm. know? And, the, and the ones that have kind of found a little bit of peace, at least with things, we want to help others find that as well. You know, and I think that is what I think a lot of our true callings really are is helping each other out and then hopefully helping out society with mental health too. Because another thing I want to, I'd like to do, like you even said it like with your ex-wives and stuff, like arguments, bad arguments, yelling, screaming, right? Like, again, like what did our deployments do to our families while we were going, you know, like nobody talks about those things. Nobody talks about what it's done to kids as they grow up. But no, yes. doesn't talk about what it does to the spouse while we're gone and coming back and how we try to get back into the routine at home and but it doesn't work and then we get upset and we try to get things done or tell people to get things done the way we would our Marines while we're on deployment, <laughs> right? But it doesn't work that it, it's like it's true, but it doesn't work that way, right? Like yeah, like I, I remember all the time I was like they're not your Marines. Like, well, it's a good thing they're not, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, literally, that that would be the <laughs> conversation, dude. I've said that. Yeah, right? Like, yes. so, like, for me, like, not just, like, with veterans, like, I, I want to share, like, that side of stuff, too, you know, because I, I think that's a big, another big reason is that a lot of, a lot of, like, families don't last, mm-hmm. right? Because, Nobody talks about that. Nobody encourages counseling for the family like they do, mm-hmm. right? Like, again, like, not just the veteran side, because, again, what it does to the families, then when we get back, affects us even more. Most definitely. Right? right? And all of that compounds on us. And if if we can help in any way 
reduce that impact, I think we've done our job. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Dude, like, it's been a pleasure and an honor, man. Like, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, not really. You know, I'm not, I'm not involved in any nonprofits or anything. I just, for any veterans that's out there, I know the VA sucks, y'all. I know a lot of people struggle with the VA. I know there's a lot of controversy with the VA. But use the VA the, to the best of your ability. Yes. If you're struggling, find a therapist. I mean, I got really lucky. I got super lucky. The first therapist I got, she was amazing. And I stuck with her for about four or five years until she left. But I still email her from time to time. She was super supportive. And I know that's not going to be everybody's experience. But keep looking for a therapist. Find a yeah. therapist and and do and do the treatment. Do whatever they need you to do. I did six months of intensive trauma therapy. I did six months of acceptance therapy. And then and some of the and I would get like homework with my therapy. Like I would have to um so like part of it would I would have to go to like the grocery store in the early morning when there's not a lot of people yeah. until I got comfortable going there. And then I'd have to go in the afternoon when there was more people. And so I got more comfortable and I, I mean, different scenarios like that. Uh, I would have to go to restaurants and sit in the middle of the restaurant instead of at the back of the wall. And Facing like, the door, she made me right? do, yeah, she made me do this kind of stuff. Um, and then I did uh, four years of group therapy and I know there's a lot of stigma around therapy. And I know a lot of people don't like therapy, but I did, some of my best, oh my goodness, I did four years of group therapy, cognitive behavioral training, group therapy. And it was a lot of um, Afghan vets, Iraq vets. But then also I was in there, um, man, a lot of NAM guys, a lot of Gulf War guys. And I've made some really uh, good friends with like NAM, like these, these dudes are in like 60s and 70s, man. And, yeah. and you sit there and talk to them. And it's the same stuff. It's like yeah. me and you sitting here talking right now. Yeah. And they, they went through the same stuff. They're going through the same stuff. They have the same issues. I just encourage everybody to go to, I mean, fuck it. You don't want to do use the VA. Don't use the VA. Find a therapist, yeah. find some therapy, do some, do some therapy and, and don't settle for, I mean, the sitting on the couch and just talk about your problems is good. I mean, but don't settle for that. Find, yeah, find that, you a that, therapist that's going to do these scientific backed uh, research therapies, this, you know, intensive trauma therapies, these cognitive therapies, these uh, acceptance therapies. Yeah. That's how I learned the meditation and mindfulness and grounding techniques. Find, find some therapists, y'all. Yeah, and for the listeners too, like you're never too old, right? Like, like you said, there, there's Vietnam vets that are that were in your group therapy session, and I, and, and it goes back because, again, they didn't know about getting help. They didn't understand it right because it wasn't wasn't voiced a lot at, at all, really. You know, they like they came back and America, Amer Americans hated them for it. Oh like, yeah, what was going on over there because of how the media made it look right. So, again, it, it doesn't matter how old you are; you're never too old to, to seek help. I always encourage veterans to get in involved with some type of organization. Like for me, like I became a member of this, of an organization called fairways for warriors. And what they do is, is specifically for combat wounded veterans, whether it be mentally, physically, or emotionally, they use golf as a tool for coping mechanism. Okay. Right. And so 
we go out play golf. They pay for it. They host tournaments that that they pay for. They'll send us to other tournaments and they'll pay for everything. So like they partner with a, an organization in Texas. I don't remember what the name of it is. I'll look it up and try to get it in the show notes if anybody's in Texas and is interested in stuff like this. But they partner with the organization that does the same thing, and they host two tournaments a year. One in the San Antonio area, and then I think one up um, in like the McKinney area or something like that. I might be wrong about the locations, but I don't. I definitely know there's one in the San Antonio area, and the organization I'm a part of, like they pay for your flight, they pay for our flight out there, they pay for our lodging, they pay for our entry to the tournament. Like it's an amazing, it's an amazing it's awesome, organization, yeah. right? And you go out and play golf with a bunch of vets. You know, that sounds like of, a good of, time, of, yeah. Of all generations, you know, it's not just like your like your age, it's literally like Korean vets, like Vietnam <laughs> vets, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like literally all generations of, of veterans going out and just playing golf, having fun. So like I always encourage veterans to get get go get a part of a, an organization, stuff like that. Also, another good resource is if if you have one in your area is the local vet center. Like they kind of are part of the VA, but not really, right? So like they 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 provide counseling, one on one, group, whatever you need um, at the vet centers. And then guess what? They don't report it back to the VA unless you want them to. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they don't report it back to the VA unless you want them to, unless you explicitly tell them that you want them to, because they're not they're not actually a part of the VA. The VA uses them or refers people to them. The vet center here um, where I'm at, they do something every day of the week. So like on Friday mornings, they do a breakfast where all veterans will come in. Some will cook there at the kitchen that's at the vet center. Some will bring like donuts and stuff like that. And you just come in, just talk and congregate really, you know. So those are like those are really good resources locally too. You don't have to be referred by the VA to go to the vet center. You can just walk in. No, that's cool. super cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. And again, I don't know if they're everywhere, but I definitely know we have one in my area. And so I assume that they would be in most places. But no, dude, like it's definitely been an honor having you on the show, dude. Yeah, man, totally. Thank you. No, absolutely. And I would definitely have your link tree in. I'll have some information about your book as, as well. I'm waiting on mine to come in the mail and then I'm going to send it to you and get it, get it signed so I can have an autographed copy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man, for sure. So once I get it, I'll get with you so we can do that. But yeah, there's no any last thoughts, man. Again, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yes, uh, man. Totally, totally. Thank you. It forever, but I'm, I'm, I am glad we got to do this, man. Yeah, absolutely, but, man. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Thanks for doing yeah, all this. I appreciate absolutely. it. Uh, it's an awesome conversation, man. No, absolutely, man. Like that's what I love about my podcast, right? Like bringing veterans on and letting them share their story. You know, because everybody has a story, and I think sharing your story not only helps you go through things because that's that's what's helped me like how i interact and share with my podcast and stuff like that helps me but it helps the other ones too and it could help somebody else out along the way that's listening yes most you know? definitely so again dude it's been a pleasure i definitely know we're gonna be lifelong friends you know we'll be brothers yeah, for man. Life. i appreciate it dude awesome man thank you sir all right take it easy man all right you too buddy Hope everybody enjoyed the show and I hope everybody or somebody took something from it. Even if it's just one person, that's all that matters. Helping people out, you know, sharing stories, hopefully helping somebody out. Um, 
I want to make sure and have Brandon's information on within the show notes, his link tree and stuff. Go check out his book. Buy a copy if you want. Let's support each other. You know, we got to have each other's back. You know, the, 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 the saying, I got your six. It's true. It's real. It's out there. There's people out there that could help, that care, and want to show you support. So, as always, be the light in someone's dark. Thank you.